This is listener-sponsored radio for Northern and Central California, KPFA and KPFB Berkeley, KFCF Fresno. Stone's Throw is next here on KPFA. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is May 29th, 2007. I saw Al Gore on C-SPAN this past weekend. Uh, he was being interviewed by Harry Shearer. Yes, there was an enthusiastic audience. Uh-huh. Harry Shearer was trying to be enigmatic and clever. Gore actually spoke straight from the shoulder, no BS. I hear a rumor going around that Al Gore is on a diet, so I'm going to guess, just make a bet with myself, going to wager that Al Gore (laughs) is going to be the next president of the U.S. of A. in 2008. It's just a hunch. However, if Bush bombs Iran and all bets are off, then the unknown unknowns will just have it their way. (laughs) Their way may be a boot on our neck. Never mind. No venting, no venting. I decided over Memorial Day that I just couldn't take it anymore. I have a uh, young friend, an in-law, actually, who's threatening to join the Marines, and that did it for me. Uh, that wiped Memorial Day right off the map. I I got so shattered and shaken and angry. Maybe you know um, how to talk to 20-year-old youngsters from Dallas, Texas, from, uh, let's see, gay young women who need need something to live for, yes. Uh, she's not happy at home. What can an elder, someone like me, or even like my son, who's 40, is he 46 now, 47? He um, says he doesn't know what to say to her. Uh, she is his, what would it be, step-niece. Yes, it's an in-law of mine, and... Uh, She is talking about the Marines. If you know anything, if you have any esoteric arcane knowledge, I used to know some guys who were in the draft-resisting racket. I'm going to call them up on the phone and (laughs) ask them what to tell her to help her make a wiser choice. The whole thing is so retro, you know, so much like the old days. Life lets you down, you join the Foreign Legion. That's what it was in my day, you know. The army is what that boy needs. 
was almost always a boy in those days. That'll teach him to clean up his room, give him discipline, focus. Yes, that's what he needs. More discipline, more focus. Yes, was send him, put him in the army, send him to church. Yes, focus, focus, focus. Aha! I came, uh, I came down here today with, I don't know, so many fragments in my hands. I was going nuts. I was planning to talk about Christopher Hitchens and the God thing, you know. I got, I got, I, I balked. A friend of mine was saying to me that she did not wish to, um, she did not wish any quotes from the Bible. She was talking about, uh, a friend apropos of, um, quotations from the Bible. She wished to just reject that uh, out of hand. And I said, no, 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 the Bible is this literature, you know. Uh, you can uh, talk about it in terms of religion, or you can talk about it in terms of literature. And, uh, you know, it's all in the spin, folks. It's all in the spin. I dug out this book, The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. This is my pile of books about the God thing. And Dawson is one, he makes the case for the educational benefits of teaching comparative religion. I was raised on that stuff, you know. You had to have at least a semester of comparative religion. Uh, I tried to go for the Eastern religions, but they put them all in the same pot. And, uh, yes, okay, Uh, it gets... Gets pretty muddy, yes. Uh, let's see what Dawkins says. He says, I must admit that even I am a little taken aback at the biblical ignorance commonly displayed by people educated in more recent decades than I was. Maybe it isn't a decade thing. As long ago as 1954, he says, a Gallup poll in the United States found that three-quarters of Catholics and Protestants could not name a single Old Testament prophet. More than two-thirds didn't know who preached the Sermon on the Mount. A substantial number thought Moses was one of Jesus' twelve apostles. Uh, And that was in the United States, which is dramatically more religious than other parts of the so-called developed world. The King James Bible of 1611, that is the authorized version, includes passages of outstanding literary merit in its own right. For example, the Song of Songs. Footnote here, I grabbed my copy of the Song of Songs. Bring it down here with me. My um, my Bible is such small print, I can't read it anymore, but I have a, a couple of pages typed out of the Song of Songs. Maybe I'll have time to read that, because I love erotic poetry. Never mind, it's in... Uh, a sacred book. Uh, and he, uh, let's see, Dawkins also likes the sublime Ecclesiastes. Uh, he says, I'm told that's pretty good in the original Hebrew, too. Uh, I love Ecclesiastes, yes. The woman, yes, um, whose hands are uh, snares and nets, yes. Uh, the sinner shall be taken by her. Oh, I've forgotten it all, but I'll bring in my Ecclesiastes soon. Uh, Anyway, Dawkins says, The main reason the English Bible needs to be part of our education is that it is a major source book for literary culture. Same applies to the legends of the Greek and Roman gods. 
We learn about them without being asked to believe in them. That's true, yes. Nobody ever asked me to believe in um, Zeus. I was thinking, actually, I think I did believe in the Greek gods when I was doing the Greek plays. They certainly seemed real to me. They were as powerful as any mass. Uh, that's all the same to me. Um, Shakespeare, the Greeks, the Bible. Uh, now, Dawkins lists is two or three pages here of phrases uh, from great poetry to hackneyed cliches, from proverbs to gossips, the Bible-inspired lines and sentences. You know, they go on forever. And, of course, most people are not aware that they originated in the Bible. Yes, uh, as in, be fruitful and multiply, and am I my brother's keeper, the mark of Cain, old as Methuselah, uh, coat of many colors, amid the alien corn, the fat of the land, stranger in a strange land, land flowing with milk and honey, let my people go, flesh pots, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, be sure your sin will find you out. Yes. <laughs> Apple of his eye, stars in their courses. Um, let's see, out of the strong came forth sweetness. A man after his own heart, uh, like David and Jonathan, that is a reference to male lovers, yes. Passing the love of women, how are the mighty fallen, my favorite quote, yes, <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, Jezebel, the Queen of Sheba, the Wisdom of Solomon, um, gird up the loins, drew a bow at a venture. Job's comforters, the patience of Job. Uh, I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. That turned into a play by Thornton Wilder, The Skin of Our Teeth. Let's see, his list includes two or three more pages. The price of wisdom is above rubies. Uh, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. <laughs> Spare the rod and spoil the child. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, I love all that Old Testament scolding, yes. Uh, vanity of vanities, that's the old Ecclesiastes. Uh, all is vanity. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. Race is not to the swift nor battle to the strong. Of the making of many books, there is no end. <laughs> we used to put that in calligraphy up in the shop there for the printers, yes. Uh, making many books, there is no end, yes. I am the Rose of Sharon. Uh, the little foxes spoil, the, yes, the little foxes spoil the vines. Uh, many waters cannot quench love. Grind the faces of the poor. Beat swords into plowshares. Wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Set thine house in order. A voice crying in the wilderness, no peace for the wicked. <laughs> that was, that was my father's favorite. No peace for the wicked, yes. See eye to eye. Uh, a balm in Gilead. Can the leopard change his spots? 
Daniel in the lion's den. They have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Man shall not live by bread alone. Get thee behind me, Satan, the salt of the earth. Hide your light under a bushel, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Moth and rust doth corrupt. Cast your pearls before swine, a wolf in sheep's clothing, weeping and gnashing of teeth. New wine in old bottles, shake off the dust of your feet. And here we go, here's the big one, here's George Bush. He that is not with me is against me. Went to the Bible for that one, George did. He that is not with me is against me. <laughs> the judgment of Solomon fell upon stony ground. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. Yes. Crumbs from the table, sign of the times, den of thieves, Pharisee, whited sepulchre, wars and rumors of wars, good and faithful servant. Separate the sheep from the goats. I wash my hands of it. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Suffer the little children. Ah, oh, let's see. Physician, heal thyself. Grapes of wrath, prodigal son, and on and on. These are, uh, they're just more than we can count. Yes, cast the first stone. Jesus wept. Uh, doubting Thomas, greater love hath no man than this. The rest of that is, yes, that he laid down his life for a friend. Ah, uh, through a glass darkly, thorn in the flesh, fallen from grace, filthy lucre, death where is thy sting, the root of all evil, all flesh is as grass, am alpha and omega, quo vadis de profundis, Oh, it raineth on the just and on the unjust, and on and on he goes. This is in the book, The God Delusion, in the chapter on childhood uh, abuse. Uh, this is Richard Dawson's book where he tries to educate people about this God thing, about this metaphor problem. Uh, as I keep saying... It is not uh, uh, the specific sacred books. It is about the spin that is put on the sacred books, the uh, absolutism or fundamentalism, the nothing but. Christianity was pretty cool for a couple centuries, uh, kind of crazy, but... It was fascinating and I think um, reasonably compassionate. I think of it as a kind of Eastern um, religion or Eastern wisdom until the military men got hold of it and used it, um, yes, to conquer. Uh, now, Dawkins goes on to talk about uh, the idioms and phrases that come directly from the King James authorized version of the Bible. And he goes on to repeat that ignorance of the Bible is bound to impoverish our appreciation of English literature. And he says not just solemn and serious literature. Here he goes with some witticism from Lord Justice Bowen, right? 
The rain it raineth on the just, and also on the unjust fella, but chiefly on the just, because the unjust hath the just's umbrella. Anyway, <laughs> he he um, yes, he quotes Eliza Doolittle's little fantasy in My Fair Lady. He said we would miss the point if we didn't know all about the end of John the Baptist, if we were ignorant of the way he met his end. You remember Salome chopped off his head. Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady says, Thanks a lot, King, says I, in a manner well-bred, but all I want is Henry Higgins' head. And he goes on to talk about uh, P.G. Wodehouse. And, uh, yes, he says a Google search will not find all the allusions in P.G. Wodehouse. But, yes, he goes on to talk about the derivation of the short story title, The Ant and the Sluggard. Yes, the sluggard is the one from whom we learn, yes, the ant can move the rubber tree plant anyway, uh, He says that his list is just the beginning, just the beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. And he goes on to talk about uh, Bertie the Bounder in P.G. Wodehouse. Uh, uh, Not my favorite. Anyway, he says, what is true of comic writing in English is more obviously true of our serious literature. He talks about a tally of more than 1,300 biblical references in Shakespeare's works. Uh, the Bible Literacy Report published in Fairfax, Virginia, provides more examples. He says that was financed by the infamous Templeton Foundation. But anyway, uh, it cites overwhelming agreement by teachers of English literature that biblical literacy is essential to a full appreciation of their subject, yes, which is English literature. I'm trying to remember, I think I was a sophomore in college when they gave me passages from the King James Bible. Yes, that would have been along with the other Elizabethans, naturally, 1611, right, the beginning of the 17th century. And um, Dawkins goes on to say that doubtless the equivalent is true of French, German, Russian, Italian, Spanish, and the other great European literatures. And for the speakers of Arabic and Indian languages, knowledge of the Koran or Bhagavad Gita is presumably just as essential for a full appreciation of their literary heritage. Finally, to round off the list... You can't appreciate Wagner, uh, whose music, as it has been wittily said, is better than it sounds. You can't appreciate Wagner without knowing your way around the Norse gods. <laughs> and my little, my favorite little um, uh, quip is always to say that we do tend, we do tend to get it backwards sometimes. You know, you can't blame Wagner for Hitler. And you certainly cannot blame interpretations of the Bible uh, on the fellows who wrote it. They were just, um, what is that, uh, uh, ancient Hebrew scholars. They have a kind of a Homeric, uh, seems to me a kind of an epic 
image. I was thinking of their their style, which of course I can't even begin to grasp because I don't know Hebrew. All I know is what the King James Bible came up with. Uh, obviously, I need more education. Anyway, uh, Dawkins says he doesn't want to labor the point. Uh, he says that aesthetic worldview uh, demands that we keep the Bible in our canon along with the other sacred books. It's part of our education. He says you can also retain a sentimental loyalty to other cultural and literary traditions, say um, the traditions of Judaism, Anglicanism, Islam, and participate in religious rituals, things like marriages and funerals without buying into the supernatural beliefs that historically go along with those traditions. Uh, anyway, he's trying to say that it's okay um, to hang out with your... <laughs> what is it? I was going to say the other day, I don't think so. I don't think I can hang out with some of my um, relatives, some of the people that I know. I don't... I really do not like anything that even borders on the evangelical but um, never mind for um, my angry moments I go to Christopher Hitchens he uh, has a new book out called uh, God is not great how religion poisons everything the best review of it is the one that I found in the New Yorker of May 21st um, called Atheists with Attitude or Why Do They Hate Him by Anthony Gottlieb. Hitchens is nothing if not provocative. Creationists are yokels. Pascal's theology is not far short of sordid. Uh, more quotes. The reasoning of the Christian writer C.S. Lewis is, quote, so pathetic as to defy description. Calvin was, quote, a sadist and torturer and killer. Um, Buddhist sayings are, quote, almost too easy to parody. Most Eastern spiritual discourse is, quote, not even wrong. <laughs> Islam is, quote, a rather obvious and ill-arranged set of plagiarisms. Oh, dear, yes. Ah, Hanukkah, he says, is a vapid and annoying holiday, and the psalmist King David was an unscrupulous bandit. <laughs> I was thinking, yes, I, I do want to read the Song of Solomon when I uh, uh, finish with this here. I, I just, I used to read it when I was young and uh, when I really thought that the sensual life was the spiritual life. Totally, completely, utterly. I, I'm i not sure now. I am, after all, <laughs> 73. But I, I think perhaps, yes. What was it? Edna Millay, Edna St. Vincent Millay, wrote, My candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night. But, oh, my friends and all my foes, it gives a lovely light. Or is that all my foes and all my friends? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. 
The point was that the light between the eyes and the light between the thighs, the warmth and the glow, those two, um, those two places, uh, right, yes, burn, um, in any case, Christopher Hitchens, uh, has his, uh, has his moments in this book. He does have some misanthropic, misanthropic moments. I, uh, I wanted to talk about the section on, uh, circumcision, but I, I th- I'm not going to do it. Every time I try that, I, I get un, unhappy male. Uh, he rightly rails against female genital mutilation and, uh, uh, that I can save for another day. It's too painful. Last night I, I tried to, um, I tried to look it up. I, I, I went back in my files and it's, it's too painful. It's too painful. I think what I'll do today, um, I think I'll just read you a few lines of my favorite biblical literature, which is the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. I'm breaking in here now to say that, of course, so many teachers uh, tell us that this poem is a poem about the love of Christ for his church. You and I know better, uh, I am black, but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon, look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon, for why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions, if thou know not, O thou fairest among women? Go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make thee we will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. While the king sitteth at his table, my Spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. 
Our bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. My beloved is unto me as a cluster of camphor in the vineyards. Behold, thou art fair, my love, behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes, my beloved, also our bed is green. Maybe next time I can read some more of um, that immortal poetry. Uh, this has been Jennifer Stone, and I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadow out of the KPFA is glad to announce the addition of Grammy-nominated quartet San Francisco, a genre-busting chamber ensemble, if ever there was one, playing music from tango to jazz, classical to Latin, contemporary to world music, and they'll be opening up for a tribute to legendary Pacifica broadcaster Larry Bensky. Bensky will speak about his career and times with Pacifica historian Matthew Lazar, author of Uneasy Listening, Pacifica Radio Civil War. The event takes place on Sunday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. at King Middle School, 1781 Rose Street in Berkeley, and is free to the public. That's a tango competition winner, Quartet San Francisco, and Larry Bensky, Sunday, June 3rd at 7 p.m. at King Middle School. Please join us.